The Path of Resistance podcast is the podcast for people wanting to learn how living life with intentionality can lead us to living our best lives. In today's world, the norm is to follow the path of least resistance, which leads to mediocrity at best. Instead, you should strive to take the path of resistance, knowing that what's to come is sweeter than what you ever could have imagined. I'm your host, Carly Welty. Join me as I interview guests who have taken the path of resistance in all areas of life and are here to share the beauty that has brought them. On this journey, you can expect to hear stories about finances, faith, business, mindset, and anything in between. Let's dive in. Today, I have two friends, Asher and Lavinia, who I met through a speaking group. Asher is a retired U.S. Army veteran, co-founder of Life Changing Wisdom Coach, and a co-author of the book we discussed today, Turn Your Trauma Into Treasures. Lavinia is an entrepreneur, co-founder of the Life Changing Wisdom Coach, and the co-author to the same book. These two have accumulated wisdom throughout their individual journeys, which pours over into their book. So let's see what they have to say. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, it would mean the world if you could leave a review on Apple Podcast, share it on Instagram, or even with a friend. Today, I have Lavinia and Asher on the podcast with me. How are you guys? Yeah, great. Oh, so we're excited. Good it's to hear. my first podcast, so. Nice. Love actually, actually it, it's, it's, our, it's our first podcast together. So Carly, you are, you're definitely breaking the ice for us right now. This is like our icebreaker. Perfect. I love it. All righty. Well, I'm going to ask the first question that I ask everyone and whoever wants to go first can. So it's, what is an example of a time that you took the path of resistance, which led to a more beautiful result? Path can I go first? Go ahead. Yes. Of course. Ladies first, please. Of course. All right. So in 2021, I tried to move to the United States with the same visa that I have right now, investor visa. And unfortunately, I, the situation didn't went as planned. So I had to return to my country. I overstayed uh, because I had some issues with my new passport and everybody was telling me that that ain't going to happen. I will not get the visa. I will not be able to come back because I overstayed. And then I was supposed to actually apply for an change of status here in the United States, but I couldn't because plan didn't go accordingly. So I had to go back and that was a blessing in disguise. Uh, I was scared. I thought that I lost everything that I was going to build, but I still believe that it will happen. I had that faith that people around me actually thought I was crazy because there was nothing to prove that it is going to happen. But I chose to keep believing and push through. And I said, no, I'll knock that door and it'll happen. I know it will happen. And if it won't, at least I know I tried. And there, uh, here I am two years later in Tampa. <laughs> nice. I love that. I love how you said you just kept believing because that's what it takes, especially when going through struggles like that. Mm. Yeah. That is a very important story. I, I tell I tell Lavinia all the time. She's one of the most privileged person I know because it's not easy to leave a country that you know and move to another country with no family members, nobody. You don't know nobody. You show up and you're going to try something new. So, I give her kudos all the time. That's definitely courageous and brave of her. Thank you. Now, this kind of this kind of change the 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 kind of add to that that question. The path of least resistance, right? So we had the path, path of, of resistance. resistance. Path of resistance. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. Here we go. So so in 2016, I started this journey of reprogramming my brain. 
because all my life I've been telling myself the story that Asher, you're not a reader. You don't know to read, right? Reading is something that you don't enjoy. And I was like, I got to change that. I got to change that story. So that's when I went on this, this hundred books a year challenge and a thousand books in a year in, in, in 10 years challenge. So I had to push myself through the difficulties of like, Hey man, reading is not fun because oftentimes like we do a lot of, this is what we do to our brain. We, we feed a lot of entertainment, but not a lot of education. And oftentimes education is boring. The brain doesn't like boring. It wants entertaining. My brain likes the entertaining stuff, but I had to reprogram it. And I put it through that, that, that process where, Hey, I'm going to, push you, reprogram you to do the things to take on the boring and make it educating and entertaining in, 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 the, in the same process. So I did that. So right now I'm on my seventh year. I'm closing on, I'm probably like 15 books right now, 15 books away from the 700 book club. So that's my path of most resistant or what is the path of? The path of resistance. The path of resistance. I got to get it right. So no, that was the good. path of resistance. So I, I had to take that on, reprogram my brain have it to see the things and hear the things that it needs to see so I can be more effective in the world. Over to you. Nice. I just, I want to ask because it's hard to reprogram your brain. So it's, you obviously you said your brain likes entertainment. My brain likes entertainment. I think that's a normal human thing. How did you push through that and be determined? That's you're almost 15 books away from 700 books. That's amazing. So here, here's something I learned. I, I get this on my dad. Tell you a little story about my dad. So my dad, my dad is not a reader. My dad didn't, didn't got an education growing up because he lost both his parents by the age of 10. But what my dad was good at, he was very disciplined and committed. So he was a farmer. So growing up, I was telling, I think I was telling Lavinia this. Growing up, my dad has cows and goats and chickens and all these things he used to raise along with his farm, right? And he used to wake me and my brother up like five o'clock in the morning and says, hey, buddies, take, take these cows and these goats and take them out to pasture. And we didn't like it, but my my dad built in me some kind of discipline that I, 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 I kind of it kind of reaps benefit for me like later on in my years when I joined the military, and I wasn't a morning person, but I, my dad put that on me, right? He put that on me growing up little by little. I, I, I get used to it. So during the military, same thing. I was very committed. I was very disciplined, at least disciplined to the intention or the expectation of the military. I was very disciplined to that. But then I was like, okay, if I can do that for the military, can I do it for myself? So now on this journey, I'm on like, okay, I can commit. Just as I commit to the military, commit to something of my own that I want to create. And that's where I'm at right now with the book thing. I'm like, I can read books just like everybody has been saying, read, listen to books. I can do it. Like I listened to Tony Robbins. He, he, he said the statement that, hey, you underestimate what you can do in, in, in 10 years. But you, you, I'm sorry, you overestimate what you can do in 10 years and underestimate you can do one year, right? One of the two. But anyway, what I got from that was that, hey, in 10 years, I can do a lot. But in one year, I can even do more. I can do a lot, too. But I got to put my mindset in, in the long term process. Look at mm -hmm. the 10 year, look at the long term. So I did 22 years in the military, give them 22 years of my life. I said 10 years I've committed to myself. I could do that. So I'm on that journey right now. A thousand books in 10 years, 700 books almost done. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that takes a lot of discipline and commitment. And there is a big difference, I think. And maybe you can shed some light on this a big difference between committing to someone or an organization like the military and committing to yourself, because with the military, you have someone over you saying, Hey, you didn't do this. We need to do this, you know, keeping track, keeping you accountable. Whereas for yourself, you have to keep yourself accountable. So how did you go through that change and still be disciplined and committed? Hmm. That's a good question, by the way. So here's how I look at the word discipline. Discipline is a manipulative word. 
Like people use that word to manipulate other people. Because when you said, hey, you're not disciplined, that means I have an expectation for you that you're not following. Right? So if I have an expectation for you that you're not following, then I could say you're not disciplined. But then I, but I think about the, the, the key part of discipline for me was habits. So I don't look at discipline, I look at habits. Because habits, is somebody saying, Asher, you practice these habits, over time you can get to the thing that you want, the vision you want for yourself. Not what I want for you, but what you want for yourself. But when it, when it comes to discipline, the military says, hey, you got to do these things. And you got to follow these steps to get to there. So I'm going to tell you what you need to do because I expect you to follow what I expect for you. Not, it doesn't matter what, what you need for yourself, what I, what I, what I have for you. And when I realize that, I'm like, okay, all right, I got it. I'm going to practice it. But when I'm on my own, I'm, I'm going to focus on habits because I'm going to determine what I need to, what dest destination I need to reach and the habits I need to put in place to get there. And those were me getting up every day at 2 o'clock in the morning and read and listen to books to, to reprogram my mindset. And I see Lavinia got her head shaking over there. I know she got some stuff to say. What you got, Lavinia? Look at you. No, I, I, I agree with everything that you said. That's why I'm like nodding. Yes, yes, yes. I also think that... The fact that for 20 something year, years you are doing this, it helps you to continue having that discipline and, and following your habits because you already formed your character in those 20 something years being in the military. Maybe it would have been a bit more challenging for somebody who just starts and never experienced the rigorness that's a word or i just mm -hmm. invented it no it's a word <laughs> okay let's tell our listeners that i'm romanian that's why i have an accent and that's why sometimes i invent words <laughs> we're in we're in the business of inventing words one of my goal is to also because you know shakespeare invented over seventeen thousand words the 52 years he was on this planet i intend to try to break that record so go ahead lab invent some words help us invent some new words <laughs> And for people who haven't been in the military, it's probably a little bit more challenging, but you can always reach out to a friend like Asher who can give you tips and tricks on how to organize your calendar, how to not fail a, an a, alarm every morning, wake up at the same time, just go through a routine that can be boring. Trust me, I know it. I hate a routine, but I understand that it's important for us to be successful. So try to make it fun but still stick to a schedule because it's easier. You have so many decisions that you can take throughout one day without exhausting yourself. And you should have some rituals or yeah, things that you do throughout the day that you know exactly that are repetitive. You don't have to waste your energy in thinking, oh, when will I do that? How will I do that? Mm -hmm. And use your decision-making process for more important and creative um, tasks. Yeah. What a great point. I love that because a lot of people, especially getting out of college or getting out of high school and starting their life in the world and trying to build a business or build a career and they are struggling with those habits. It's nice to hear. It takes practice. Asher's had plenty of practice, 20 years in the military to help him or even before that with his dad, like helping him be disciplined practice so it takes little steps every day so that's a good very good point mm. and i want to add one more thing for for the rest of the people who are struggling with that including me just get an accountability partner it might be annoying mm. yeah sometimes you might want to punch that person through <laughs> the phone yeah but trust me it's 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 for your best interest just look at the bigger picture it'll help you stay on track mm -hmm. yeah 
Good point. Good advice. Thank you for that. I feel like we could just talk about what we're talking about all day, but I brought you guys on for a reason and that's to talk about your book. So can you guys tell us what's the title of the book and just a little bit about the background of how you decided to write it? Ladies first or men first? Thank you. I'll go first. Go first, Liv. (laughs) All right. So the book is called Turn Your Traumas Into Treasures and it has a big meaning in our lives because we both experience different type of traumas and if you think about it I don't think there is one person out there that did not experience some sort of trauma it doesn't have to be a big one maybe you were bullied when you were in school maybe your parents did not have time to give you the affection that you needed when developing your emotional needs Uh, maybe I don't know, it was hard for you to make friends. Maybe somebody dear to you died. So there are traumas that we experience throughout life and we don't really know how to cope with them. Therefore, we suppress our feelings. Now, that traumas will be there unhealed and unresolved and it'll be exactly like an open wound that every time something will poke it, it will start bleeding. And because of the pain, you start reacting maybe in an inappropriate way towards the, your dear ones, friends, at work, who knows? You might start acting in a way that you don't really like yourself. Um, so we want to spread the awareness about this situation and encourage people to pinpoint their traumas and understand why they have a faulty behavior right now in certain areas of their life and try to go at the problem and solve it. We provide tools and and, um, advices and we share our life experience and uh, the experience of people around us. And um, yeah, we we want to help people to heal themselves. We will not show you this is the way, this is the only way. We show you different ways, different, tools and you have to Frankenstein your way through your healing process but don't ignore it because it will always be there and it will affect your life and you don't even know how and why you are kicking yourself in the stomach when life is already hard and it's kicking you (laughs) in the stomach and yeah that's uh that's the idea behind the book and it's very dear to me because when I was 14 I lost my father he died and um, previously um, he was sick and therefore absent as a father and so I had a lot of emotions uh, therefore that experience really left a, um, a scar I wanted to say scar but it wasn't a scar because it wasn't healed now it is a scar now it's a beautiful scar because I made a tattoo on top of it so I can share it as a piece of art mm. go ahead Asher Thank you, Lav. See, Lav is opening up, and that's the beautiful part about the the writing journey that we've been on. Because, you know, the turning traumas into treasure, if you think about the word itself, trauma and the treasure piece, because oftentimes we forget the treasure piece because the trauma and the treasure is the same thing. So if you're, if you're, if you're looking at your life, examining it, you realize that the things that you look at in a traumatic way or you might awfulize it, they're actually gift. So I kind of back up the story about the turning trauma to the treasure for me. So I'm, I'm going to take you back to my dad's side of the family and my mom's side of the family. It kind of makes sense of it a little bit for the person that's listening. And it took me a while. It took, it took me four decades to really 
connect the dots. You know, sometimes it says, you know, you're, you're looking for certain things in life and you're like, you're not seeing it because you haven't connected enough dots yet. Well, I've connected enough dots over these last 40 years of my life, 40 plus years. So I look back at my dad's side of the story. Like I told you earlier, my dad didn't go to school. So he lost both his parents by the age of 10. So he's, he was the last kid, right? So, so the parents died. My grandparents, my grandmother and grandfather died, set in motion my dad's journey. My dad didn't go to school, set in motion my journey. But because my dad didn't have the, lit the literature or he wasn't literate, right? Then it set in motion my passion for writing. So looking at my, my dad's sacrifice, the things he experienced, right? I'm sure there's some embarrassing moment when he couldn't read certain things and people were looking at him a certain way. But my dad was a very hardworking guy, very committed. But he always told me, I should go read a book. I never listened. Because at the time, I was suffering from what I call AD and dyslexic. Those, those symptoms was in my life, was prominent in my life. But I was track, I was going back, like looking at my life, my dad's story, looking at my story. And I was like, oh my God, the universe set all of this in motion. Because without those things absent in my dad's life, I wouldn't be this passionate about writing now. And I'm telling you right now, Carly, I'm going to be one of the greatest writers of this time. This, this, this is something I know. And every day I wake up, I, I can see it even getting even more clearer, right? So I'm looking at the journey. I'm like, okay, I'm passionate about writing. And why is that? Because I, I really, I love, I love stories, right? And in the, in the opening of the book, me and Lavinia, in the opening book, we, we kind of focus on the one quote that's really summarized the book, which, which is by Desmond Tutu. And it says, language is very powerful. Language does not just describe reality. Language creates reality it describes. And the thing that I learned from that one quote is how important words are in your life. The language is to describe or define your reality. So now you look, if you go back and look at this, the, the experience that the universe set in motion for you, you can look at it as trauma. Like I can look at my, like my dad's journey as trauma, right? I can look at my, my difficulties, my embarrassing moments growing up when I couldn't read much and I couldn't really speak much, whatever you want to call it, as trauma, but they weren't. They were things that were set in motion for me to be great now. So now I have a great story to tell because I'm looking back at my past and all those things that was a disadvantage, I can tell those stories now and people can connect with them. Because now they're, they're not just for me, but they're for the people that are going through the things in their life that they can't really explain. But now I understand how important language is. So now I'm educating what I call my, my thinking vocabulary, my writing vocabulary, my speaking vocabulary. So the book, right, one of the goals I was, me and Lavinia, we were going to work on is, is to write 86 books by my 86th birthday. So now I've set in motion the 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 journey of mastering the state of authorship and i have 86 85 more books right now to actually accomplish that so we're just thinking about the, the, the idea of turning traumas into treasure you just gotta go back and look at your story from a different angle and oftentimes you ever heard about the cube right they say a cube it looks it, it's the same from a different angle right but if you look at it differently you would think it's different but it's the same so your story is the same way the same story we're not going to change nothing about it except we switch the angle on it now, on the back of the book, there is this poem on there. Um, I know we can read it later on, but it's on there. It's kind of, if you read it from one direction, it sounds like it's an awful life story. But then when you read it from the other direction, it's a beautiful story. But they are the same words, just from a different angle. Over to mm -hmm. you. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like this, this book is very in-depth and 
I feel like we're just going to scratch the surface of it, but how I love your confidence in speaking, just the story that you just told of, you know, being so confident in your ability to be an author or to read and to have 86 books written by the, your 86th birthday. And I just think that it's a testament to the book of, of really turning your traumas into treasures and just the confidence. It's all about the language that you tell yourself and you're telling yourself, you know, I'm confident I'm going to do this. And I think it's just such a good testament to the book. And like I said, we're just going to scratch the surface. So I encourage all the readers to go out there and read this book. It comes out June 10th. June 10th is its debut. So there's one little part in the book that I wanted to touch on. And you had talked about, this is a summary from the book that if your conversation has a higher percentage of negative thoughts and positive thoughts, and this is your conversation with yourself, then what does it say about you? And that you have to remember that you become what you think. And most of the time, the conversation you have with yourself is a vivid display of your thoughts. So like the summary says, if you're thinking negatively, like you said earlier, your language creates your reality, that will be your reality. So I just feel like this is really profound to me and profound, but old news at the same time. Like, I feel like everyone knows this deep down inside, but it's such a good reminder. So what advice would you give to people who haven't come to this realization yet and may not believe that their thoughts could change their attitude and therefore change a whole situation or their whole life? I would actually come with a question that I hope it will challenge people to think about it. I would want everybody to take a second and Imagine if they would talk to their friends or their family like that, the way they talk to themselves, how that relationship will be. It'll be sustainable. Will the other person like them? Probably not. I mean, or maybe yes. It depends. How is your inner narrative? How you talk to yourself? If you talk in an encouraging, loving way, then great. But if you always put yourself down, beat yourself up and all these other American expressions that I'm trying to remember on the spot right now, then probably you might not have too many friends left and probably even your family members might not want to talk to you anymore. So I want to also give a very quick story, an example of me in 2019 when I was at my lowest, I was a flight attendant. And I did not know that me messing up my circadian rhythm, because I was flying morning, evening, nighttime, daytime, you know, uh, my body did not understood what's happening. I wasn't eating at the same time. I wasn't sleeping at the same time. All that messed up the production of hormones in my body. Therefore, I started to feel a depression that wasn't normal for me. I'm a very positive person. I've always been like that. My dear friends and family used to call me a dreamer, like it was a bad thing, but now I love it. I'm so proud of being a dreamer. I dreamed my reality into being. So I was uh, surprised to understand that I'm going through a depression. Um, Thank God I I came across uh, Jordan Peterson's book, uh, 12 Rules of Life, where actually he talked about how if you don't have a circadian rhythm, you will become depressed because the hormone production will be out of place uh, for lack of better words. So what I did, I 
spent hours and hours in the gym because I felt like I'm surrounded by people. I felt that by moving my body, I can feel a little bit more positive. And I noticed my thoughts. My thoughts were very negative. I could not find hope, purpose, and meaning in life. And I said, okay, well, I'm really at my lowest. There's nowhere to go here. And I know when me and Asher talked about it, he said, yeah, there is something lower, which is the grave. And I said, exactly. It's that or going up. And so many people being in this situation, they unfortunately um, choose to depart this world, right? But I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not a quitter. I still want to be around us. I want to be around my dear ones, but I want to be happy. And right now, I don't know how to be happy. So what I did, I said, okay, my thoughts are very negative. I cannot control the flow of negativity that comes through my brain right now. Therefore, I will stop my brain from thinking and I will flood, flood it with positive information. So I was literally throughout the day listening to YouTube motivational speakers. From the morning till the evening, while working out, while cleaning, while walking, while going shopping, while, you know, every second I had, I was, I wanted to quiet my negative thoughts and kind of replace them with something positive. And slowly, slowly, as I repeated this process, my thinking uh, started to shift. And that's uh, uh, an advice that I give to people who feel like they have no hope whatsoever. Just, just if you cannot control your thoughts yet, because you will eventually, you will be able to control your thoughts. You will shift them. You cannot stop them from coming. Yeah, I have negative thoughts coming to me. And Asher knows, because I share them with him at times. But I have the capability to switch them fast because I catch them. I catch myself. I say, no, switch it. And um, hmm. that's what I wanted to share with you and your listeners. Oh, what was that question, Carly? Because I was, I was, I was, I was all dreaming in Lavinia story just now. Like, dream, no. I was dreaming in her eyes too. But I'm just, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, ask me. Yeah, the question is, what advice would you give to people who haven't come to the re realization of the summary of what we were talking about in the book? Of if your thoughts are more negative than positive, then that basically will be your reality. So, what's your advice to those people who may not believe that their thoughts could change their attitude and therefore change a the situation or their whole life? Mm. That's deep. That's deep. How much time do we have? <laughs> I know this might be the last question. This might be the last get, question. No, I think we have time for maybe one more question. But oh, yeah, okay, this okay. is a deep question. Go on with it. This is a deep one. Here's something I'm working on. I didn't want to share this yet because I'm still forming it. But I think I'm going to share it because it might be simpler than what I was going to tell you earlier. And these two things that oh, we talked about in the book, too, which is, you know, it's the belief system, right? Belief system. But here is something I created at least I simplify for myself that I think it's going to work for a lot of people. And it's to it. So it's you, 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 the things that you want to have in, you want to achieve in life, right? And the reason why a lot of time negativity shows up because you don't believe it's going to happen. So instead of, instead of just believe, trying to believe in that thing, you believe it in to existence, right? So I would put a quote and believe it in. So that's one side of it. That's one side of it, right? And then you're going to have doubts, and here's something that I do with my, my own doubts, right? So when you have doubt, here's another, here's another way you can flip doubt on, it, on his face. You doubt, your, you doubt your doubts, right? So you doubt your doubt. That means if you, if you doubt this thing going to happen, because doubt, doubt, doubt is very powerful. Because when somebody sets something in motion, 
And you know what if I'm happy? What happened? It doesn't happen to you, right? So doubt is powerful. Just like when you believe in something will happen, you believe it in, it happens, right? So I noticed that. So when, 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 I, when I feel doubt, I don't put the doubt on myself. I put the doubt on the opposition. So now I doubt my doubts. So if I, if I doubt it's going to happen, right? I doubt it and it doesn't happen. So now if you think about your doubts, like what, if you got some kind of doubts, put the, put the pressure on your doubt. I'm going to doubt you. I doubt this thing going to make me fucked up right now, right? I doubt it going to happen. And what happened? There's power in your doubts. So now you change the course of that thing. Just like, I believe this, this 86 book is going to happen. I'm going to believe it in, right? I'm going to believe it into existence. Now I put that, my belief energy on this thing happening. So oftentimes people are battling these two things. They have a lot of doubts and they put their doubts on themselves. No, if, if Lavinia don't believe in me, I'd, you know what I'm saying? Then guess what? I doubt Lavinia's expectation is going to happen. Therefore, I'm doubting my doubts. I doubt Lavinia's doubt. So I'm always on the positive side of things. So if you don't believe in me, that's fine. Like, you know, I was listening to, he was talking about Vince Lombardi. And when he walked into like this locker room with all the, with all the players, he was he telling them like, hey, we're going to win. We're going to win some championship. And half of the team is going to be there and half of you won't. Right? But everybody knows. Well, I'm saying the same thing myself. I'm going to achieve this book. 86, 85 book I have left. You can believe me or you can doubt me. But either way, it's going to happen. Right? What side of the team are you going to be on? But in the end, if you, don't, if you doubt me, I'm going to doubt your doubts. So I say, people, start doubting people's doubt and start believing exactly. your dreams. And just don't believe Amen, just don't believe brother. in it. Believe it in by making it up and making it real. Back to you. Lavinia, do you have I anything to add? Um, I did want to add something to our previous uh, question when Asher was saying how he has the choice to uh, look at his past experiences and his father's experiences at uh, traumas or not. And that's empowering. But I want people to be aware of one thing. We can also think of some childhood experience or yeah, younger version ourselves that experienced something that we think it wasn't a trauma. And in the book, Scattered Minds by Gabor Mate, he's amazing. He's uh, the child of uh, a Jewish couple. They were born in Hungary, which is a country next to my country. We share borders. And he's saying how he, be, he became a, a doctor, yeah? And his clients were talking about their childhood, like, oh, nothing happened. My, my mother just, yeah, was whooping my ass with the belt every now and then. But hey, I deserved it. And he was saying, hmm, it's funny how everybody's justifying these traumas in a child formation of the brain because most of these people ended up having ADD by the way and uh, he discovered he had ADD as well and he was emphasizing how if somebody would see a kid like the same person who says ah oh, but that was nothing I deserved it but if that same person would see now a parent abusing the child like that they would say something they would not just say ah oh, that's normal no they will take attitude because that's not normal no it's not normal to beat up your child, to abuse him physically, emotionally, with words, put him down. He had he had the patients who had traumas like their father was saying, oh, you're lazy. You're, you know, why are you taking so long to study? Go and study. You're lazy. And he was saying, well, 
I did this, the, the father said, I did this because I believed in you and I knew that you are smart and you can do better than that, but you didn't. So that was out of love. I was encouraging you, but that was traumatizing for the kid. Therefore, uh, I want to encourage people to look at their childhood and understand that some things that they think they were normal, they might have been traumas that are following them in their behavior. So go get the book. <laughs> get the book Jump and turn, in. Your, turn, turn your uh, traumas into treasures. Turn your traumas into treasures because we can really change the narrative. We can learn from that lesson. We cannot go back and change what happened. It is what it is, but it, it makes no sense to go through life and just uh, cry for yourself and be in the victim mode. We don't want to take away from the fact that that trauma happened, that you were abused. It happened to you. We validate that, but let's make a better future by having a better present and we can only do that by changing the way we think about what happened Mm -hmm. yep thoughts are so so powerful it's crazy just to think about those just how powerful they can be so in another part of the book you guys tell a story about a queen named sister alma and I hope I'm saying that right, who has her wise counsel, they condense 86 volumes of the kingdom's wisdom to one sentence, which is never change who you are, change or improve what you have. Can you guys expand on why this statement is so wise and how it can have such an impact on people's lives? I'll take this one. So, you know, uh, this is something we didn't even mention. I'm glad you brought it up, by the way, uh, Carly, because in the book, there's two characters. There's So his, his book is, the series name is Demi Divine. And the two main characters in the book is uh, Sister Amma and Brother Kofi. And Sister Amma, she's like the wise mystic and Brother Kofi is like the jokester. So you kind of use humor because sometimes they don't take your life too serious, right? Because, you know, sometimes you just got to look at things with a little different kind of spin. And then you got to get the depth of it with Sister Amma with her wisdom. But... And the 86, the 86 volumes you talked about in the book is the same thing that we're going after right now. We're going to write 86 books total. And uh, and uh, so we did one, so we got 85 more to go. So we're going to unpack all of that wisdom that Sister Alma packed in this one first, this one first actually principle, which is never change who you are, change and improve what you have. And the underlying idea behind this is, is that you're not your mind, you're not your body, you're not your emotion, you're not the things you accumulate, you're not your possession, you're not your status in life. Those things are not you. Those, those are things that you, you accumulate. Because like 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 um my countryman Bob Marley says, uh, the biggest man you ever meet was, was once a baby in his life. Or the most beautiful woman you ever meet was once an ignorant baby in her life, right? So the education she has, she accumulated. The body you have is based on the food you eat. So the, those things are not really you. So now what you do, you change or improve what you have. The things that you accumulate, you improve those things. You change those things. But who you are, you can, you can never change. And here's why I say you can never change who you are. Because if you change, if you, if you trace your lineage all the way back, right? The saying, like, God, universe, source, God's an acronym, right? Give birth to the first being. And then the first being give birth to themselves that end up having us, right? So if you trace your lineage all the way back, then you end up being what? God, universe, source. So right now, me and you, all of us, right, is an expression of God, universe, source. So now... If you think about that idea, if you're an expression of God, universe, source, then what that makes you, right? So a therefore, you can the divine. Yes. So therefore, you can never define who God, universe is. It's undefined. It's infinite. It's unlimited. Therefore, that makes you the same way too. So if you're if you're undefined, unlimited, then you can be anything. 
So now we, we, we go after that process. So don't think about trying to define who you are because you would never will. You, matter of fact, you would never even know who you are. You never will. All you would know is the things that you create, the things you accumulate, the, the what I call, we call the ego in the book, right? Which the ego is an acronym stand for equal God's objective. And so God express, our gust express itself through me and you, and we express ourselves through our ego. So the ego is what we create. So my first ego is my name. My parents gave it to me, right? I was a soldier. That was one of my ego. I'm not an author. That's my other ego, right? I'm a life coach. That's also another ego. So I express myself through my ego. That's why I do my work in. That's what I affect the world. But that is not me. It's just an ego I create. So we're going to create a lot of ego. So those are things that you, you, you create and you change. But who you are, you would never know that. And, it, and it, to know something makes it limited, right? Knowledge is limited. If you know something, that makes it limited. So if you didn't know me, that, make, that makes me unlimited. So you can't really define me. So that's what we go after with that first principle. Go ahead, Lava. I see you got, the, you got your lips, your mouth open. I have what? the itch. I you cannot itch? hold it in. I oh. sure, yes, thank you. It's funny because ever since I came here, everybody asks me, so what are you doing? Practically, tell me, what are you doing? So I know who you are. So I know the level of respect that I will offer you. And it's, I always laugh because I do so many things, right? I was just telling you, I do three things in real estate, property management, real estate agent. And I am involved in a group of investing in commercial real estate where we also educate people on that and then i'm an author and we have the life-changing wisdom coach program with asher and then i'm an artist and i love to paint and i just told you that i painted my office because i wanted it bright and you know i do all these things that i enjoy and one of my friends here she's saying you're a woman of many hats and i like that expression yeah that's true and I think it's beautiful to be able to do many things in life. And I think it's sad when we can define ourselves through one thing, sorry, one thing and one thing only. If I say I am a um, real estate agent, that means that's all I am. That means all day, every day, I only think about how to sell houses and what commission I will get. And that's all I am. And that's limiting indeed. I don't want to limit myself like that i want to try a little bit of everything so i just wanted to <laughs> highlight what he was just saying with a practical example in my life guess what i'm gonna do for lav oh last thing before we depart last thing i'm 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 a, I'm a lock you in a box i'm a lock you in a box oh my just god kidding, just kidding you but 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 me. this is but I, but I, I'm, I'm gonna speak on this because this might be this might resonate with the audience carly because I, I think about this thing and oftentimes people don't think this deep so what society do, which we call society, what, what I call a system of normalized averages, what society do is they lock you into a box. Meaning that, so they, they, lock, they lock me into my color and left me there. And all I see is my color. They lock you into your gender and leave it there. And all you see is your gender, right? They lock you into that status and they do that to you. And all you see is that thing, but that thing is not you. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm above the organization of sex. I'm above the organization of color. I'm above the organization of all these things that society locks you in. I'm not, I don't see myself that way, right? I see myself as God universe source. So if you let people lock you into something and leave you there and you feel like you're stuck in that thing, then guess what? You're thinking very limited. So I don't, I don't see myself as a black guy, right? Or, or, or just a man. I'm above the organization of those two things, right? I see myself above all of those things. 
So therefore, I think even more expanded. So people trying to lock you into things and leave you there and have you sit there feeling stuck and overwhelmed that one in the box. No, that's not me, right? Because the culture teaches this thing, right? Just like the culture teaches for you to represent your color, represent your gender, represent your status and so forth. And sometimes that's important in certain ways. But if you want to expand your mind, you got to be above all those organizations. The organization of color, the organization of sex, the organization of gender, the organization of, of, of politics, all those things, religion. You got to get elevate yourself above all those organizations because you are higher than all of those things. So, yes. And in the book, one of the words that uh, I'm, I'm adding to what, what uh, Shakespeare did, right, is a word we call unequal. Right? I'm dropping it here on your podcast, my friend. Unequal is the word. And oftentimes in society, people say, treat me equally. And you would, I would never treat you equally. Right. You can never treat me equally. Right. So I'm so what I, what I, what I combine is two words. Unequal is meaning that, hey, um, I'm unique physically, physically, but we are equal spiritually. So treat me unequal, uniquely. Right. So that's how I look at life. Right. I'm going to treat you unequal or uniquely. And you do the same for me because I know physically we're not equal. We're unique. But but spiritually, we're equal. So treat me unequal. Over to you, Carly. Yes, you got the smile. No, I, I love have to say love one her. thing. Oh yeah, go if ahead. You, if you stick along me, if you stick around me long enough, you will start inventing words that don't exist in <laughs> American English. So Carly, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to tell Asher, I love that word. Do you have other words that you've created besides unequal? Uh, I have a few on the list. I got to work them out. I'm working on them right now, but I have gotta, a few on the list. You got to yeah. work on the words and the definition, right? Yes, yes, yes. They'll be uh, added to Webster in no time. <laughs> I heard it take a long time to do that, but I don't need, I don't need to edit the website. I just need to put it in my book and explain what it is. You're going to, you're going to create your own dictionary. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> well, I just love everything that we've talked about so far. So I just hope that if anything else, this will help people to go look into the book and even beyond that, just take the time to have deep thoughts. Take the time to think about what we've talked about today, to think about how language can literally shape your reality and the reality of those around you too. Because I know people talk about, and this is like not related to the book, but codependence, but it really does like how I act affects my husband, how he acts affects me, how my mom acts affects me. And it affects just the way your reality is affects the people around you as well. So not only will this book help you thinking about these things, but it'll also help the people around you or even your future generations. So I know that's a big statement, but I'm just saying in general, this kind of thinking can really help everyone around you, including yourself. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Carly. Yeah, it was beautiful. And don't forget about June 10th. The book will be available on Amazon. And I want to mention that it was the birthday of my father. And the whole idea, the concept of the book is based on traumas. That was the beginning of my traumatic experience. And and I want this to be the end, his birthday. So go ahead and don't forget to mark your calendar. You guys will have to send me a link so I can add that to the show notes so people can click on it to go to Amazon. But besides that, I ask a few questions to wrap this up. So the first question I ask is, what is a book that you guys would recommend to people that has really helped you be a good resource for your business or your life in general? I would say uh, Extreme Ownership by Joko Willing. It was one of the books that I started reading at the beginning of my transformational journey. It helped a lot because I grew up in a victim mindset society 
And I had a victim mindset as well. I was blaming everything around me for the way I feel and where I am in life right now. But that book forces you to embrace the idea of just taking extreme ownership of whatever is happening in your life. Why? When you try to find who's responsible for what is going in your life right now, bad, you are wasting energy and you're wasting time that you could use for finding solution because how will it help you by finding who's responsible? So just uh, eliminate that step, take extreme ownership. It doesn't matter who is to blame for, but we have a problem and let's solve it. Where is the solution? Mm. Love that. You, you, see, you see all this relationship me and Lavinia is playing out right now. She, she's <laughs> like the, she, 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 got, she got these knuckles up <laughs> and then I, I had to come, I had to come down and uh, and level out. So this, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna use this book then, since Lavina mentioned that book. So there's a book by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin P. Hardy, because I think Benjamin Hardy is doing a lot of rewriting of Dan Sullivan book. But Dan Sullivan is my mentor. He has known, he don't know yet, but I'm, I'm heading in his way. But the book is called Again and the Gap, or The Gap and the Gain, one of the two. And that book is, it's all, it's all about how do you really get your fulfillment from life? Because oftentimes we chase the horizon or the ideal outcome. And we never get, we would never catch it. But if we measure where we start, where we are right now, that's where the fulfillment is in. So you measure the gain and the gap. And like Sadhguru would normally says, uh, we start on the profit side, right? We always on the profit side. We start with nothing. And everything we have, we have earned over that period of time. So we're always on the profit side of things. So we are the winning side, no matter what we look at life. You're still winning. Because you was a little baby with what? Nothing. And now you, you have what? Even, the, even your trauma, you're still on the profit side. Yeah. Just their treasure, you just don't know, just don't know to flip them. So once you learn to flip them, you're like, wow, treasure. So the gain and the gap or the gap of the gain. Get up. Benjamin P. Hardy, Ben Sullivan. That's the book. Okay. Have to look it up. Sounds like a good one. And the last thing I want to ask is um, if people want to learn more about you guys, where can they find you? I know you guys have a podcast, right? Yes, we have uh, the Pandora's Awareness podcast. And then two websites. We got one for the coaching, one for the one for the, the book, the, the book series, Demi Divine, it's demidivine.com. And it's www.lifechangingwisdom.com. That's for the coaching. And Lavinia got her real estate um, stuff. She can, she can share that. Yeah, well, I have my uh, my real estate Instagram, which is lavinia.lav.real.estate. A lot of thoughts, I know. <laughs> and then I have my top-notch property management YouTube channel. That's the name of it, top-notch property management. And... Uh, yeah, if you go on there, you can find our email addresses and you can always reach out. If you have questions, we would be gladly answering them. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you so much for the time that you put pouring into writing this book. And I hope a lot of people will go grab it and read it and learn from it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This was amazing. All right. Make it an awesome day, Carly. And Lavinia. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Do you own a small business and need help with your numbers? I can help with that. Hi, I'm Carly Balti, owner of KW Accounting Services and the host of this podcast. Knowing your numbers is definitely in the top five things you should absolutely, without a doubt, no questions asked, prioritize in your business. You might be scared because you think your numbers are a mess, but I can help you get them organized and keep them organized going forward. Go to my website, carlywelty.com, to book a free consultation call to get quoted. Are you just starting your business and you have more expenses than income? 
Even if you don't have room in your budget for a bookkeeper, I still have something that can help you. Look on my website to see if my DIY bookkeeping template is right for you. Right now, get 10% off my template with the code PODCAST. Asher and Lavinia were great. They bring such an important view to how your thinking can affect your whole life. Here are the takeaways. Number one, discipline takes habits and habits take practice. Asher had over 20 years in the military to practice those habits. Don't be discouraged if your habits are hard to be consistent with. Take it one step at a time and keep practicing those habits. Number two, everyone has trauma that has happened in their life, whether big or small. Make sure to take the time to heal those traumas and turn them into treasure. Otherwise, it can affect your life without you even understanding why you are behaving or feeling a certain way. Number three, your traumas can actually be a gift because they set your life in motion and the generations that follow. You just have to go back and look at your story from a different angle. Number four, when you have doubts, you should doubt your doubts. Sounds crazy, but like Asher said, doubt is powerful. So when you start to doubt yourself, instead, doubt the opposition. Number five, the last takeaway for me wasn't discussed in this episode, but I wanted to add another perspective regarding how you think. I heard this from the pastor at our church on the Sunday after recording this episode. He talked about the importance of protecting your peace. I hope you understand that there are many ways to think about your thoughts and inner dialogue and how they affect your life, and this is just a different point of view. So he talked about protecting your peace, or in terms of what we talked about in this podcast, language affecting your reality. This can be a very practical thing that you can apply to your life. It comes down to resisting the enemy and submitting to God or resisting God and trusting what the enemy has to say. One will result in protecting your peace and one will result in surrendering your peace. So you can do this by learning how to discern the voice of the enemy so you can tune him out in order to tune God in. I hope I'm conveying this as good as Mark did because he did some great preaching that day. So without getting too off topic from what Asher Lavinia and I talked about, I'm going to link the video of last Sunday in the show notes if you would like to listen to that message and gain a different perspective. Thank you so much for listening into this episode. I hope you were encouraged to take the path of resistance, whatever that looks like for you. Even though it might be scary, it's worth it in the end to know you lived a life of intentionality and reaped beautiful rewards. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next one.